the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Today, I want to continue our series of messages entitled, I Will Overcome. I want to talk to you this morning about keeping your guard. When Jesus came to earth, he came to give you meaning and purpose. He came to give you a full life. When you and I invite Jesus into our life, John chapter 10, verse 10 describes it this way. Jesus said it, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants you to experience a more abundant life. You can have more of a life with Jesus than without him. Now, in this more life, experiencing this more life involves our choices. God never forces anything on you. You have to make a choice that you will cooperate with the life that Jesus is offering. And that choice involves the decisions that we make along the way. And one of those decisions is to say, I will overcome. I realize there's some things in my life that may be holding me back, some limitations that I have on my life, some habit patterns, some thought patterns, some things that have held me down and held me back and keep me from being all that God wants me to be, but I'm not going to stay in those things. I will overcome. Say it with me. I will overcome. It's a choice, and you'll never experience the more life until you say, I will overcome. Now, the word overcome in and of itself implies a fight. You don't overcome unless there's something to overcome. So overcome means you've conquered something, you've fought, you've won a battle. That's why people like the Apostle Paul talks about fighting the good fight of faith and the essence of putting energy into working against the spiritual strongholds and spiritual forces that try to work against us. And so there's a fight involved. And one of the fights that we have to be very well aware of and prepared to fight is the fight of temptation. I want to talk to you about how do you overcome, how do you deal with temptation? Because temptation can take you down. Or temptation, when you handle it the right way, can make you stronger. So there are two things I want to talk to you about this weekend, as I said, related to temptation. First of all, the Bible teaches us that temptation is something that everyone experiences. It happens to everybody. Now, it's important to start with a definition that there is temptation and there is sin. They're two separate things. And temptation happens to everyone. Let me define for you what temptation is. Temptation is an appeal or an attraction to do or say or think something. It's an attraction, appeal, a pull to do or say or think something that is contrary to three things. Contrary to God's word, contrary to God's will, or contrary to God's ways. That's all temptation is. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is the precursor to sin. It is what leads to sin. But every person experiences temptation. Jesus himself faced temptation. Listen to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. 
This is right after Jesus' baptism. The Bible says that then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So Jesus faced the temptation. You can read the story there in Matthew chapter 4 of the three different temptations that Jesus faced there. He was tempted. Hebrews 4.15 continues to help us to understand the temptations that came even to Christ. For we do not have a high priest, that's speaking of Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been, what's the word again? Tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So do you see that there's a difference between temptation and sin? Jesus was tempted, but did he sin? No, there was no sin in Jesus. Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. And so when you and I are tempted, there is a way that we can handle temptation because Jesus has conquered it for us. Now, that being said, it's important to understand, why don't we draw out this distinction between temptation and sin? There's an important reason for it. Because quite often what will happen in your life is the devil comes along and tempts you, entices you, tries to pull you towards something to think or do or say something that you shouldn't, and you know it's a temptation. But then at the very moment that he tempts you, he also makes you feel guilty that you've been tempted. It's a real trick of the adversary. He throws the temptation out, and then he tells you what a terrible person you are that you were even tempted. And then you fall prey to the condemnation. You feel like you're worthless. You feel like you'll never be able to overcome it, and it takes you out of really effective service for God and effective, uh, effectively living your life for God. And so there's this condemnation that can settle upon us. And so it's important to know that everybody is tempted. Temptation is not sin. They're two different things. Listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common. That is, everybody experiences it. It's common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. It's an important statement. But when you're tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God promises that in the midst of any temptation we face, there is a way out. The Greek word that is used here is a term that means to exit. God says, I promise you that when you're tempted, there will always be an exit available to you. The only problem is many times we don't look for the exit. We stay in the trouble. And so again, temptation is not sin. It can lead to sin. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be alert as wake up and a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Prowling speaks of this This kind of suspicious way the enemy works in our lives, subtle ways the enemy works, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That word looking means to plot, to scheme, okay? Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. So again, we're taught that temptation is normal. It's something that everybody experiences. You will never get beyond it. But there is a way to handle it. Resist him, that is the prowling devil, standing firm in your face. Let me just remind you as we're wrapping up this first point, that temptation and sin are two different things. Don't ever let the devil condemn you just because you were tempted. Temptation happens to everybody. It's common. Not a single person. And by the way, you will never mature beyond the point of being tempted. The temptations in your life may change over time. They may be different. As you grow in your relationship with Christ, sometimes the temptations become much more subtle than they were before. They're not quite as blatant as perhaps certain temptations were in your life previously. 
because you're growing in your faith, you're learning certain things, but I promise you the devil is a schemer. He is a plotter. He's always trying to find a way in your life. He is the one that will always make sure there's some temptation that comes your way. The devil never takes a day off. He's prowling around looking for access. And that's the second point I want to talk to you about today. Temptation is all about... It's related to an attraction to a weakness in your life. Temptation attracts or attacks, I should say, weaknesses in your life. When we think about temptation, we have to understand that temptation is, it comes, while it comes from the devil, it cannot succeed without our cooperation. Okay? And the Bible is very clear that successful temptation, this temptation that leads to sin, is the result of two forces, the result of external forces and internal forces, internal spiritual weaknesses and internal spiritual choices that happen. Let's look at the outside force again. We already looked at it a bit. Let me take you to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you might want to circle or underline that phrase, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. When the day of evil comes, one translation says, in the day of temptation, that when temptation shows up in your life, when evil starts lurking around you, when darkness starts trying to encroach upon your life, you need to be prepared for this. There's an external force that will try to find internal access into your life. Ephesians 6, verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In the invisible world, that as you go through your day, that there is a devil with a quiver full of arrows. And he pulls those arrows out throughout your day, lights them up, flaming arrow, and he will shoot them in your direction, trying to find a way to get something into your soul. Now, any good, uh, any good soldier, any, anybody that's engaged in trying to attack another person, you want to exploit not their strengths. What do you want to exploit? Their weaknesses, right? And so if you're in a military strategy and you're looking to kind of uh, capture a particular enemy... You don't look for their strengths. You're aware of their strengths, but you want, where's their vulnerable spot? Where are their weaknesses? And so the devil studies you and me, and he, he finds out where our weak points are, and he doesn't shoot you where you're guarded. He shoots you where you're vulnerable. So he shoots that arrow, and if we're not guarded, it will find its way into some part of our life and lodge there, and there's this flaming, burning hole in our soul that happens because we didn't guard that area. We were not even aware, perhaps, that it was there. So he shoots at the weaknesses of our life. So there's that external force. But no attack of the enemy from the outside will ever work unless it's linked to something internal part of you. Listen to James chapter 1. Here's the inside part. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. You might circle that word enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when it is full grown, gives birth to death. James the Apostle uses an interesting analogy here. Perhaps the best way that I can portray to you the, the principles that we find here in James chapter 1 related to temptation is to use a fishing analogy. That's the F-I-S-H-I-N-G analogy, fishing. 
This past summer, I was invited by a, a mission organization to spend about a day and a half, two days uh, in the Florida Keys doing deep sea fishing. And so I had not been deep sea fishing in a while. And so I accepted their invitation and went. And uh, they took us out on this massive, beautiful boat uh, out into the Gulf Stream. And so we were fishing for a couple of days for yellowfin tuna. And I, I mean, I, I don't know anything about deep sea fishing at all. The only kind of fishing I was, I really knew much about was the kind where you had the pole and you throw it into the water and you got the little bobber there and you wait and hope something bobs the water, that takes the bobber under the water at some point, And then you hopefully get a fish. I knew nothing really about fishing. We had an amazing captain. The first thing that the captain did on the boat once we got out to the water before he issued to us the rods and reels that we were going to use is he gave us a lesson. He told us what to do and what not to do, how to hold the rod, how to cast the rod, how to engage the process, how to utilize the bait, how to set the hook, how to do all those kind of things. And he laid the law down. This is the way you do it. If you want to catch fish, you've got to do it this way. He wasn't very nice in the way that he communicated it. He was a captain. He could have used some help with his language. He didn't care I was a pastor. What he cared about was, I want you to catch some fish. So he taught me there in that moment, the several of us that were on that boat, he taught us how to fish. And there was an art to it. There's a way. And then he climbed up to the top of the little area that he had as a captain. And he would watch the water and tell us exactly where to cast. And I'm happy to tell you, I caught yellowfin tuna. I was successful that day. You know why? Because somebody taught me how to fish. Because fish don't just walk around looking for a hook. Right? They don't just like swim around. Where's the hook? I want to die. No, they don't do that, Okay. No, fish have to be lured in. There's a process, and the devil understands this process in your life, and he knows what will get you, okay? See, some things will tempt you that will never tempt anyone else. There are areas of weakness that you'll have in your life that no one else will have. Maybe a few other people may have. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were talking about how much they hated broccoli. And I know after hearing their conversation, they didn't like hate broccoli. They hated broccoli, okay? And I could dress broccoli up. I could put it in a beautiful basket. I could do all kind of things with broccoli. They would never be tempted to eat broccoli. Why? Because they hate broccoli, okay? Bring them a chocolate cake. It's a different story. See, there's certain things that will tempt you that you will not be tempted in relation to others. And so everybody has vulnerabilities. Everybody has some weak spots and blind spots in their life. And if we're not careful, we're not prepared to address or to guard our blinded areas because we haven't learned enough about ourselves in terms of what our weaknesses are so that we can properly protect ourselves with the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the truth that we gird our loins with, the feet of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. You better learn where you're weak because that's where the devil targets you. Amen? So what I wanted to do this weekend is I wanted to lay out for you some of the common areas of weakness, maybe common areas of vulnerability, maybe is another way to say it, in people's lives that set you up, set me up, set us up for these lures of the adversary. I'm going to share with you the five most common vulnerable areas that will set you up for the lure of temptation that can lead to sin. Number one is through prideful or selfish ambitions that you haven't died to. Anytime you have prideful ambitions or pride or prideful, selfish ambitions in your life that you haven't died to, it's going to, there'll be a potential hook in your soul to lead you into some kind of sin. 
Just think about what happens to you when your pride gets offended. What kind of response do you have when someone offends your pride and offends your sense of dignity about who you are? And so oftentimes what happens is because we haven't dealt with pride, we haven't laid down our ambitions in the sense of wanting our life to be a certain way instead of submitting our life to the will of God. We hold on to this stuff, we keep it active and alive within us, we don't die to it, and it becomes a place where the enemy fishes around in our life and hooks us, brings us down in certain ways. That's why the Bible teaches us the tremendous value of humility. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. So humility attracts the grace of God. The Bible says that pride goes before the fall. That any time you fall, it's always related at some point in time, many times to pride. So this whole issue of learning humility, what does it really mean? Because many, I tell you, if you think you're humble, chances are you're not, okay? Because humility is not something you even recognize in yourself. It's something that is an attitude that you cultivate about the way that you live your life and the way that you approach the life that God has given you. And so pride, selfish ambition can be a fishing ground for the adversary. Number two, personal needs that you haven't trusted God to supply. We all have needs in our life. And the Bible teaches us that our God can supply all of our needs. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you, need God, if you need love, God is love. If you need security, God provides you security. If you need provision, God is the one who provides. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who is our provider. Everything that you will ever need in your life it's available to you through God. And here's what happens. Oftentimes we try to get those things from life itself or from other people instead of trusting God. It sets us up in vulnerability because people will always disappoint you. You can't find people that will meet all the needs of your life. But God can meet every need. So it, it, there's this growing trust in God that protects us against this vulnerability. Number three, pain or resentment that we ha- have not properly processed in life anytime you get hurt hurt in a relationship hurt with some other person some situation that happens you you have this feeling of hurt on the inside I hurt my feelings here those those hurt moments quite quite often if they're not really worked through can become anger and anger becomes resentment and becomes bitterness and we don't even realize that it's there and it's teeming inside of us and affecting us you know that hurt people, do, do, they do foolish things, right? Angry people do foolish things. Resentful people make bad decisions. And so the devil likes to get you hurt and angry and resentful because it becomes a fishing ground for all kind of other things that he can draw you into in life and produce death in you rather than life in you. The fourth thing would be polluted experiences or habit patterns that you have not yet addressed. Polluted experiences or, or polluted habit patterns that you haven't addressed. I'm going to give you a moment to write that down because I want to talk a little bit about this one in a little more detail. One of the things that we all have in common here today is everybody here has a past, right? One thing we all have is past. We all, we all, you would, your, your today was preceded by your yesterday, okay? You had some yesterdays in your life, okay? In your past, there can be all kind of stuff, okay? Good, bad, and ugly. All kind of stuff in our past. And the challenge for us as believers is to learn how to begin to properly 
divest ourselves of the things in the past that, are, that have been detrimental to us or have polluted us in some way so that we can step into our present and move forward into our future. Because I will tell you, I'll give you a couple of analogies of this. For a lot of people, their past becomes their biggest hindrance in life. Whatever it is in the past, it could be pain, it could be uh, polluted habits that you've had. It could be things that you've done in your past that you feel guilty about. It could be things that other people did to you. It could be all kind of things that you carry with you from your past. But what happens is it's like a big ball and chain that gets attached to you and you're trying to move forward and you can't move forward in the way that you need to because you're dragging some dimension of your past with you. Or another analogy is that sometimes it's like a big elastic band that gets hooked around you and you take off running and you think I'm going to make some, some progress and boom, all of a sudden it pulls you right back to where you were before okay and these are all symptoms of stuff in your past okay it's symptoms of stuff that is, is a pool back here that you haven't dealt with and the good news is that Jesus came to set you free from your past to help you in your present and to give you a hope and a future amen okay did you hear that okay to set you free from your past, to help you in your present, and to give you a hope and a promise for your future. But you have to be willing to deal with this stuff. You've got to be willing to sever, to cut, to not keep going back to that pool. A lot of people have had bad experiences in their life or bad habit patterns. And so when they get into trouble, their, their natural tendency, when they get stressed, their natural tendency is to go back and be this way, okay? Because this is, their, this is the pull of their life. This is what pulls them back. They can't cut that elastic string that keeps dragging them back. But I will tell you, that's where the devil loves to fish around. He'll set things up that'll pull you right back into this garbage pit again. He will remind you of what that garbage pit was. He will tell you that you'll never get out of it. But I'm here to remind you today that when he does that, he is lying because Jesus came to set us free from our past. He came to give you this, this present and future, okay? But you've got to be aware of it. It's a vulnerability that a lot of people don't even realize they have. They're getting pulled back all the time because of this, this stuff, this garbage that they've never really properly processed and gotten rid of it. And it's an ongoing journey for our lives. The last thing I'll mention to you today is that it keeps us it's sort of a fishing ground for the adversary is that there are personal fears we have that we haven't given to God. Personal fears that we haven't given to God. There's only one kind of fear that's appropriate. That's the fear of God. The fear of God is not trembling as though God is about to destroy us. The fear of God is all about reverencing God, honoring who He is, recognizing that He is the supreme, He's the supreme authority of the universe that we honor, that we yield our lives willingly to. Any other fear is not of God. God did not give you the spirit of fear. Perfect love cast out fear. So fear is one of the tools of the enemy. And I'll show you how this works. When you're afraid, fear can cause you to compromise your morality. Fear can cause you. There are people that lie and cheat and steal because they're afraid. It's not that the lying, cheating, and stealing was first. It was the fear that was first. I'm not going to tell the truth because I'm afraid to tell the truth, okay? I'm not going to do things the right way because I'm afraid I'll not get what I want the right way. And so my fear causes me to manipulate things and circumstances and get it a wrong way because I can't trust that I'm going to get it the right way, okay? Fear in you, okay? 
Or, you know what, I'm not sure I'll ever have the relationship that I want to have, so I'm afraid I'll never have another person come into my life. So I'm going to settle for this person because I'm afraid I'll never have another person. I'm talking to you now, amen? Okay. We settle for stuff in our life that we should never settle for because it's that fear that works its way in us that says, you know what, you're not sure if you can trust God for this. You're not sure if it's going to be okay. And so the devil plays on your fears. And so he looks at your life and says, oh, that's a fearful person. And reels you right in through pride. We see it again. Look at these again with me. Through pride, selfish ambition, through the personal needs you haven't trusted God to supply in your life, through the pain or resentment that you haven't properly processed, through the polluted experiences or habit patterns that you haven't addressed in your life, through the personal fears that you haven't given to God, these become fishing grounds for the adversary. But Jesus can help you conquer every one of these. Amen? But you need to be aware of your vulnerabilities, aware of your weaknesses. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. If you're over 50 and concerned about any of the following... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.